Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. A personal film about a public subject. My Father's Vietnam explores the human bonds forged and shattered by war, set against the backdrop of never-before-seen photographs and 8mm footage of the Vietnam War. The film is a story of three soldiers, only one of whom made it home alive. And uh, that's the premise for this wonderful documentary um, directed by... Soren Sorensen, uh, he is a, we'll get into his connection to the film and the, and the people in it, but I want to let our people, or let our listeners know that uh, it's won the Soldiers and Sacrifice Grand Prize at the 2015 Rhode Island International Film Festival, as well as the Best Picture Documentary at the 2016 Flagger Film Festival. And it will be on demand and on iTunes beginning on May 24th, 2016, coming just a, a few weeks from today. We are joined, as I said, by the director, Soren Sorensen. Soren, welcome to Film School. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Well, I, I, I guess, I mean, normally I'd say, so how did you decide to do this documentary? But if, it, if I think I know how you decided to do this documentary based on a number of different uh Different things, but what was the impetus uh, that for for directing uh, for putting together a documentary on Vietnam? Uh, it was a uh, a sort of realization. Um, I came to a, cer- a certain age um, where I kind of looked back and, and realized I hadn't spoken to my father at any great length about um, the year that he spent in country and and the you know the time leading up to that in training, um, and uh, you know decided to ask him about it and uh, you know. Just timing being what it was, I had uh, have and have and had a very good friend, uh, Dan Akiba, who shot the film, um, who was my uh, roommate at the time, I believe, and um, or or had, you know uh, offered to shoot this uh, this interview. Uh, I was I was planning on sort of recording it as an oral history, sort of a story core or this American life type of um, preser- act of preservation. When uh, mm-hmm. and Dan Dan had offered to to shoot it for me, and so we we took it from there. Um, but it wasn't. It was never really planned on being a documentary as such. I, you know, it took a really long time. The initial conversation um, was a five and a half hour conversation. It took place in 2006, so it's been a, a quite quite a long time since that initial conversation. And um, subsequently, I, I started to connect with people, uh, friends and family members uh, of, of uh, two men that my father knew who were killed. Um, Killed there in 1970 in separate incidents. Uh, mm-hmm. Loring Bailey and Glenn Rickers. Yeah. Now, well, and so was there? So you sort of the the genesis of the idea started around 2016. You wanted to talk with your father, sit down, um, talk, record his thoughts on his time there. Was there something between then and now where you're? You, I assume you started to do the interviews. Uh, and you're and you you must have made a decision to film him at some point. Was it early on that you were sort of recording video and audio of of your your conversations with him? No, it, it really is just this one conversation in, mm. in 2006. So oh, the, when, okay. when you when you watch the film, uh, there's there's this a single conversation with my father that's sort of um, gotcha. woven throughout the film. Right. Um, and it's yeah, it was a you know, five and a half hour conversation of just you know essentially 
you know, my father talking. Now, um, of course, this, this has voiceover narration that, that, that I, um, you know, contributed. And then, uh, again, the friends and family members of, of people who were, who were killed, the two people who were killed there, who my father uh, made rubbings yeah. um, of at the, at the Vietnam Veterans Memorial um, back when I was about 10 years old in 85 or 86 or something. Yeah. So you, and it just you just said I so you must have started talking to some other people and all of a sudden you you must have thought well I've got something here I've got an I really feel like I've got enough uh, to put this into a, a, a feature length documentary, right? Yeah, I mean I'd like to say that I I I found that out you know in 2015 and then just cobbled it together but really <laughs> it was it took you know several years of that too so you you start to improvise in front of Final Cut or whatever with a timeline and mess around with it and and. You know, this is years before I'd ever heard of a beat sheet or, you know, um, you know, actually scripting something or organizing my thoughts or creating an outline or anything like that. It was a lot of flailing and kind of uh, false starts and hiatuses and all that kind of stuff. But um, eventually I, I, you know, I, I was able to put it together and it became um, my master's thesis when I um, earned a, uh, an MA degree in art at Rhode Island College. Um, the concentration was media studies. And this is just a perfect thing to take this sort of ar- archival material um, not only all the video I collected over the past sort of um, six years or four, five years, um, but also my father's um, still photography, which is copious. I mean, there were hundreds of, of pictures that he took, not only as a, as, a, as a combat engineer, but also as a reporter working for the Public Information Office for the Army. Yeah, it's quite, your, your father's uh, story is really quite interesting. So uh, let's let's back up just, just a little bit because... Um, I have a father who served in the Korean War, and I have wanted to do what you did. So I'm watching your film thinking, why haven't I done at least the conversation, at least recorded a conversation? And my dad has never talked about the war. I know he was he was in the Signal Corps. I, I know he didn't serve in, you know, sort of close military action in, in Korea, but he never wants to talk about it. And um, it was... Just talk about sort of your your what was your dad's reaction? I mean, was he eager, or was it something you needed to talk him through, or what what, what was his reaction initially? I wouldn't I wouldn't say he was eager, but he, he wasn't he wasn't reluctant either. I mean, it was mostly um, you know you call you call him and I, I called him and said you know, it was one conversation. I just said, hey, mm-hmm. um, you know, he he knew Dan um, you know for for several years before this. We've been friends since. I guess '98 or so um, was probably when my father first met him '98 or '99, um, and then it just because you know I'm going to bring Dan over and we're going to we want to record a conversation with you about Vietnam. Is that is that all right? And he said, Yeah. Okay. So mm-hmm. it, it, it honestly was, it was sort of um, I, I think I was nervous to ask um, because I didn't really have a good answer to the question why, uh, but he didn't really ask me. I mean, I think he I think he you know because he was a journalist and because he reads a lot. Of nonfiction and, and history, and he's a, he's a you know an intellectual, and certainly has an interest in military history. Um, I don't th- I think he saw the value of, of it, and I didn't really have to say much about yeah. it. So, um, you know, it's not to say that it wasn't emotional or it wasn't difficult at times, but um, you know, he 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 was very available for, yeah. for the conversation, and and um, you know, sat in the same chair for five and a half hours with a very very short lunch break. So yeah. Well, we're speaking with uh, Soren Sorensen. He is the director of a documentary called My Father's Vietnam. It is coming out on uh, iTunes and and, uh, cable video on demand 
uh, May 24th, so that's coming up just a couple weeks. Um, and it's a terrific documentary because it's not just about what we're dis- we're talking about your conversation with your father, but as you described, the relationships that he built uh, with uh, a few of the a couple of very let's, friends of his who were in Vietnam and um, their stories as well. And as we spoke off, Mike, one of the things that I've I really truly liked about my father's Vietnam is that so often the just the mere mention of the subject of Vietnam will uh, ev- evoke many kind of uh, emotional um, reactions over sometimes overreactions to it. What was it right? Was it wrong? What? Why were we there? All those kinds of things. But your film does a ter- terrific job of humanizing the experience in ways that are very relatable and and very um, almost therapeutic. I, I mean, watching your film, I just feel like there uh, there was uh, something about the, the, the tone of it that felt uh, like we're now far enough removed from it that we can start, be, we, we're having that conversation now about the impact it's had on families and through generations, but also now uh, seeing it in more or less the light that it should be seen in, in the, the experience of it. Is that a fair statement? Does that feel like what you were hoping to yeah, accomplish? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that um, th- there aren't, uh, you know, no, this isn't, um, I'm not trying to, this isn't to, to say, to sort of toot my own horn or something, but the, there aren't a lot of films like it. So, you know, and, and I, I looked for them, so so I, I sort of figured that there would be more feature-like documentaries that sort of had these kind of intimate, um, you know, family kind of uh, stories that, that, that has to do with service and sacrifice or whatever you want to say. Um, but, but there were two particular films, um, Barbara Sonnenborn's uh, Regret to Inform and Tracy Droz Tragos's um, uh, uh, Be Good, Smile Pretty, um, both of which uh, have this kind of... Um, this backdrop of the Vietnam War, with all the baggage that it that it brings to the table, um, but the but the story, the focus is you know a, a couple or a father and a daughter, mm-hmm. um, you know a very kind of small um, group of people, uh, and no matter how um, far this this you know the, the the backdrop reaches and outstretches in space and time, you still come back to the way that a death affects the family, affects the community. Um, and, 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 you know, to a person or, you know, just about everybody that participated in this or, you know, and it, it, it stands to reason that it, it, there's something, um, cathartic about letting out, um, the emotion of, of, of the way that felt for you because, um, it, you, you were sort of taught in that generation. These, these are the sons and daughters of people from of the World War II generation and, and, you know, God was on our side and this is this this horrible tragedy, the first war, you know, the, the home team lost the war or something. And, and mm-hmm. so not only were the, were the people that were home not re- interacting probably the way that they, they could have been in a healthy way, um, but, the, but the veterans that came home were sort of told to sit down and shut up um, and go back to work. And that's the, yeah. my father just said, that, just go, go get a job. That, that was it. He didn't, he didn't wear it on his sleeve and it wasn't a, um, you know, it wasn't something that was discussed very freely, even even when I, as I was growing up, he wasn't unavailable to me or my sister emotionally, certainly. But it, it wasn't something that we talked about. If we asked, he, he would he would respond. Um, but it was like a terminal illness or something. It's like, well, we don't talk about that. Um, it was you know just kind of not. It was there, but not there, sort of. Yeah, and and that's a, it's such a common thing. I, I that's why I brought up my dad in in that 
he he doesn't talk about it even though it just it's one of those things that i i i, I attribute i think I attribute it to the fact that he saw things and he does, and I, I'm not going to put him through that. I'm not going to make him relive things that were so horrible and awful. But I also think, and that may be true. I don't even know if that's true. But and but I can, I have a feeling that it's unless you're actually in a war where at any moment of any day that you are you're there, something truly horrific could happen. That that sort of weighs you weighs down and you refer to it, there's references to it in, in the in your film of this just unending sense of you know disaster tragedy are just lurking around the corner all the time and that when you're sharing that bond with those people that you're in the in those uh you know tanks or in you're in the you're in a unit marching through the the uh, the jungle that you cannot convey it's all i it's near impossible unless you're there for someone to actually understand it is is does that feel like that's some of it as well that reticence sure. well i feel i feel like you can't really per, you can't accurately portray anything in a film i, I you know i i you know you're not really giving anybody a better sense of of being in a, in a relationship or um, you know, running a deli or, you know, anything um, yeah. in a film that, as you would from, from actually being there. That being said, this is, a, this is a, a war or a conflict that has this sort of tradition um, that benefits, uh, you know, from the technological advances um, that filmmaking experienced in the 1960s and 1970s in this kind of um, big movement of filmmakers coming out, American filmmakers coming out in the, in the 1970s, mm-hmm. um, you know, Scorsese and Altman and all these people. And so they were coming of age in the Vietnam and post-Vietnam era. Um, and so you have all of these, you know, wildly famous films that are sort of over the top and sensationalized and all, all sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And these are films that I love, by the way. I'm not saying this <laughs> in, a, in a negative way at all. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, Apocalypse Now or Platoon or... A film, a full Metal Jacket or something. Deer Hunter. Um, yeah. These are, yeah, these are movies. That, yeah, Deer Hunter. Exactly. These are movies that um, give you a kind of an immersive experience that I don't think that um, films made before them about war, regardless of the war, um, could could possibly. And and you know, with very few exceptions. And and, and you know, maybe I'm exaggerating, but I, you know, that yeah. that is sort of fertile territory for um, for making cinema. But I don't. You know, I don't. I don't think that you you're achieving a. You're necessarily as a, as a narrative filmmaker. Certainly, you're you're trying to achieve realism. Um, and if you are, you're probably going to miss the mark, or your film's going to be boring, or, or right. I, your people are going to criticize you for it. So I, I think that by um, what I did try to do, which is, I don't I don't know how well I did it, but what I did try to do is portray the. Um, the theme of ambiguity, um, because I think that's the, the word that keeps getting used um, when I talk to Vietnam veterans and um, this thing of, you know, well, I could have gone to Canada or I could, you know, I, I didn't have to go. I could have made some phone calls and pulled some strings or, um, you know, I could have ducked and covered. I could have worked in Germany or, you know, there's these sorts of, sorts of things where it's, it's tempered with this idea that they could, um, that they, they, this was a war of, choice for the United States um, and that they didn't necessarily support it, but because of their their parents' generation, this World War II generation, they felt like they had to. And these guys were all coming up with reading 
you know, like my father, Ernest Hemingway, and, and you know, they, were, they wanted to have this adventure, that this was going to be a defining thing in their lives, and this is just what you did, and my, yeah. as my father says in the beginning of the film. Well, um, yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about your father and, and the, the two. The, let's talk about the subjects of your film. Your father, what's his, what, when he got out of the war, what was, his, what was he doing? What did he do? When he came home, he, he was um, so the second six months of his of his tour, uh, he he um, became a, a reporter for the army. Uh, he had already been writing and, and taking pictures for his college newspaper, so this seemed like a natural fit, and, and was very interested in, in literature and, and journalism. Um, and uh, and so he came home and he worked for a newspaper called the Hartford Times, which is now defunct. Um, I don't know when it stopped being published, but um, he, he worked for the Hartford Times for a while. Um, and, um, and then he, he went into, he went into business life. He went into corporate real estate. Um, and that, that was it, the bulk of his career is, is, um, you know, in business, uh, he worked for Aetna for a number of years and, and a few different insurance companies, but, um, th- that was something that, uh, you know, the, you know, raising a family and, um, you know, living, living in the town where he grew up, uh, which is outside of Hartford, it's called Avon, Connecticut. Um, that's much like uh, enlisting in the in the United States military. Getting a job in an insurance company was just what you did, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so so that's that's what he did immediately after, and, and sort of and following. Okay, and then the other two, um, the, the other two subjects of the film, were and their their relationship. Their, that was that was came about through. Tell her, tell her audience a little well, bit about how they came to know each other. Sure, um, my father. Uh, uh, met uh, Loring Bailey, um, who was also from Connecticut, though they didn't know each other in Connecticut, a different part of the state. Um, but but he, he went to uh, Loring Bailey went to Pomfret, uh, a private school in the uh, let's see the um, northeastern part of Connecticut, and um, uh, he went to Trinity College. Uh, and he uh, they both had college degrees. My father went to Marietta in Ohio, um, and they um, met each other at Officer Candidate School, which is again sort of what you did if you had a college degree um and uh so they met each other at officer candidate school and as my father explains in the film and um it was sort of this playing playing this numbers game which is that they figured that if they were played their training out at officer candidate school and they had three you know under a year left that they weren't shipping you out if you had under 365 days um and it turned out that um they they both (laughs) They they both ended up um, finding a writing job uh, in Washington D.C. Um, Loring actually found Loring Bailey found this job, um, and he said we can go live in Washington D.C. You know he, he was married. My dad was about to be married, um, and they would go there with their with their wives and live in D.C. and work in D.C. and sort of ride out the war there. Yeah. Um, and in both cases, the orders for Vietnam got cut before their orders for the right. desktop. Right. Um, so that was boring, and um, and yeah, so the, so they they both washed out of Oxford Candidate School or decided not to finish, um, and and they ended up in different bases. So Loring became an infantryman, and my dad was a a combat engineer. Um, and once he was over there, um, he uh, the, the, like I said, the second half he became a reporter for the Army's Army's Public Information Office, and he met a light observation helicopter pilot named Glenn Ricker who's from uh, Pennsylvania, he's from Sellersville, um, which is in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. And, um, yeah, and, and so that, that's where he met him. And he used to, he would fly my dad around and, and um, 
you know, if he needed to take pictures or if he needed to uh, do, do a story or something, just a friendly guy. They became friends. He was a, he was a captain. Well, and what an amazingly <laughs> dangerous job he had in Vietnam, an insanely dangerous job. Uh, he flew, help me out here, he flew a, a helicopter as sort of a surveillance, sort of a recon operation. Well, yeah, they, they, they would like, um, they were really small. Uh, so if you, you can look this up online, it's yeah. LOH, they called them loaches. Yeah. Um, light observation helicopter, and they were tiny. I mean, it was, yeah. it was uh, like a little bubble, and with a you know with a tail and, and you know propeller. It was just sort of not much there. Um, you could get two. Would, yeah, you, they would fly. you could get two people in it. That was about it. Correct. Yeah. 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 Correct. And and um, and so yeah, he, he would draw fire, or he would uh, yeah, he would work at low level reconnaissance and, and, and these sorts of um, you know missions where and yeah, you're not very armored and you don't have you know heavy guns or anything like that. So. Um, but yeah, they were. But you're looking for the enemy. <laughs> you're you're not armored, correct. and you're yeah. looking for for bad people to shoot that are going to shoot at you, which is right. just drawing, <laughs> drawing fire is just what it sounds like. Right? Oh so these, these guys would fly, you know, feet or yards off the ground trying to find uh, hiding places, and um, hopefully, you know, get, the the enemy would would show themselves, and and then a, you know, a bigger a gunship would come in, or what you know, whatever it was, they could call in an airstrike. So, um, oh, you oh. know, I, I'm not actually intimately acquainted with the with you know the. The, the technical aspects mm. of, of the war, the yeah. war certainly. I mean, it, I suppose I'm maybe more than the average person, but um, <laughs> so. Um, yeah. So, so it was yeah, not a not a safe job. And and my dad would even say that he was just in just as much danger as a as a journalist as he was, um, you know, as a combat engineer, perhaps more. And he and he said that sometimes you were there wasn't much going on, so he would he would hop on a gunship and go on a you know, combat assault or something. So it was. Yeah, you never really. He 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 just said, "I got I need something to cover or something to write about." So he he like go with Glenn or you know go on a on a gunship. So. Oh. Well, I it, it's it is a terrific film. Um, it's called My Father's Vietnam. It is, uh, the story of three men's stories uh, about their the experience of being in Vietnam, and uh, it is as I said we said earlier. It's a very to me humanizing, and, and this isn't a documentary that's intended to explain or expand on the role of the United States in Vietnam. It's not a political anything. It's, it's, a, it's a really very uh, tightly drawn um, story about, these, about their experiences and the impact it's had on their family. I mean, you get interviews with wives and, and fathers and children are all involved in, in what they're through the prism that they see what has happened to their family as a result of this, uh, of their parents or their father's experience in Vietnam. It's, it's a beautiful film. And um, once again, I want to let our listeners know that it is going to be available on cable on demand and iTunes beginning on May 24th. And as well as you mentioned something earlier about it, it's sort of in previews, did you say with, or, do you want to, we want to get into that? Uh, you, you can you can or you can pre-order it um, uh, on Voodoo already. That's V U D U. A couple of my students actually um, here in Rhode Island uh, um, use Voodoo, and um, and hopefully it'll be up and uh, for pre-order on iTunes. And um, a portion of the proceeds uh, for for Voodoo and, and iTunes pre-orders will be donated for the, to the Vietnam Veterans Memorial Fund. That's terrific. Yeah, Vietnam is just, again, it's just such a um, uh, remarkable event in American history. And I think as long as this generation is alive, it will be uh, a touchstone of, you know, of real importance. And uh, the first war that was on TV, the first and the last war 
were sort of America's best and brightest were actually enlist or, or were brought into the armed forces. I think Vietnam changed so much of the way of the of our our foreign policy of the world. We how we see the world, how the world sees us. It's a remarkable uh, period of time in our history, and this film is such a, a a beautiful kind of addendum to to that era and to that experience. Soren, thank you. Soren, yeah, thank you, Soren Sorensen, the director of the film My Father's Vietnam. Thank you so much for being on Film School today. Thanks for having me and for all the kind words. I appreciate it. You're welcome. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.